0: next item of the schedule is uh, special music from Darnell Body called Mary Did You Know
1: Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy had come to make you new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. When you've kissed your little baby, then you've kissed the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak, the praises of the Lamb. Did you know that your baby boy is Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day rule the nations? Did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect land? The sleeping child you're holding is the grace.
2: I am.
0: Thank you, Darnell. It's a very powerful voice. Uh, next up is someone we all know very well. He can be found just jamming on a ukulele or numerous other instruments. It's Bruce Dela Cruz up here for his first sermonette. Please welcome him.
3: Hey, everybody. How's it going? <laughs> so, um How's everybody's feast going so far? Good? Good. Okay. So, today, my question for you is, what should we value more? Mercy or justice? Well, I have some verses and examples for you. My first couple of verses being examples when we should value justice more. I'd just like to uh, take a second and see what the Merriam Webster dictionary has to say what justice is. If I had a Merriam Webster dictionary. Oh. See, justice is the quality of being fair and having a foundation in fact or reason and being what is deserved. The Ten Commandments found in Exodus are a good example of justice because that was God's way of showing us how to be fair and so we could follow in God's footsteps. In Isaiah 117, it says, learn to do good and seek justice and correct oppression and bring justice to the fatherless and plead to uh, the widow's cause. So so what that verse means is to always do good and and be fair to everybody, especially those who are less fortunate than us. In Micah 6.8, it says, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? What this verse means is that we know what God requires of us, and that is to be just and kind and to be humble before God. And in Proverbs thirty-one nine, it says, Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. What that verse meant is that when we interact with one another, another we should always be just and fair to everybody. So, from these verses, and from the example of the Ten Commandments, we see that we should try to be like God and be righteous and just. and, merc- and yeah. So, Now, the, this next story from the Bible I'm going to show you shows ju- uh, how merciful God is and how much he cares for us and loves us. This story I'm talking about is the story of Jonah. In a nutshell... The story of Jonah is about a prophet who God asks to, to deliver a message of mercy to the city of Nineveh. Now, Jonah, he didn't really like the people of Nineveh, so he ran away on a ship heading in the opposite direction. Now, God, he didn't really like that. So he sent a storm to shake the waters a bit. Then Jonah threw himself off the boat in order to save the ship and crew members. But God didn't let Jonah off the hook. Pun Pun intended. Because he sent a fish to swallow Jonah, so what Jonah did is he sincere, while Jonah was in the whale or fish, he sincerely asked God to forgive him for not doing what he was what was asked of him. God listened, and the fish vomited Jonah out onto the beach, and from there Jonah gave his message of mercy to the Ninevites, and the and the people of Nineveh believed, and God forgave them. There are two things we can learn from this story. Number one, God forgives and shows us mercy no matter who we are, and he forgives us no matter what we've done. Because the Ninevites were some pretty bad people and did some pretty bad things, and they were despised for this. And most people, such as Jonah, thought that God could never forgive them. But God forgave them. Why? Because they believed and repented of their sin and sincerely felt sorry and strived to make up for the things they, they did. I just want to go over a couple more verses on mercy. In Luke 6.36, it says, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. What this means is that God, in addition to to being just, is also merciful. So we should also try to be merciful. In Matthew 5.7, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What that verse means is that God blesses those that are merciful and shows them mercy in return. And in 1 John 1.9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That verse exactly what happened with the Ninevites. They sincerely believed that God would forgive them of their sins. So, from the story in Jonah, from those verses, we see that mercy is also an important quality that God expects us to have and that he also wants us to be merciful and just as he is. This final example is a story in which mercy and justice play equal parts and serve as foundations in our faith. Oh, sorry. The story I'm talking about is the parable of the wicked servants. So basically, in the story, there's this king that lets, lent some money to some of his servants. When the time came to repay the king, one of the servants broke down confessed that he didn't have the money and asked for uh, some extra time to come up with the money the king being a kindly man allowed the extra the, allowed the servant extra time but it, as soon as the servant left he sought he sought out a co-worker and he, who owed him some money and demanded it from him the other servant couldn't repay his dues but this, but the servant wasn't as merciful as his master was he threw his colleague in jail as soon as the king heard about it, he summoned the unmerciful servant back to his courtroom. He reprimanded the servants for not being merciful as, he was, as the king was merciful to him. And so the king threw the servant in jail. So in the story, we see that even though the king was merciful, he also had the capacity to be just too. He was kind enough to give the servant another chance, but after that, the king knew what he had to do and what was right and threw the servant in jail. What Jesus was trying to teach everybody there was that if we don't forgive and show mercy to those who have done us wrong, then God can't forgive us. If we don't, if we don't want to forgive or show mercy to others, how can we also expect these things from God? In conclusion, after gathering all this information, I think what god is trying to say is that we can't just have one of these qualities because if you're too just then you'll always be condemning people and beca- and you'll become a not very pleasant person to be around and nobody like, likes a negative nancy right but if you're too merciful then you let everybody off the hook you let everybody off easy and you can't be taken seriously what god wants us to be is like a good judge like god is who can either show mercy or justice, when appropriate. And when we need to know, that, know whether we should show mercy or justice, we, or justice, we can always look to God because He is the greatest judge of all, showing mercy and justice in perfect harmony. See, God wants us to have a balance between these two traits. We can't be like the unmerciful servant and be too harsh on everybody. At the same time, we can't be too merciful and be letting everybody off the hook. If a person is truly sincere and sorry for what they've done, then they are then they are deserving of mercy, like the people of Nineveh. But if the person shows no sign of repentance, like the unmerciful servant, then you have to discipline them a bit. What God is trying to show and teach us in life is that we have to be merciful and just. If we put our trust in Him, then God will be merciful and just to us and forgive us our sins. In James 2:13, it says. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who is not merciful, mercy triumphs over judgment. So what that means is that God is saying for us to be fair, and he'll show mercy to those who have been merciful, and that we should always try to be merciful. In Zachariah, Zachariah 7, 9-10, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments, show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, or the poor. Let none of you devise evil against another in your heart. What that verse means is that God said for us, I mean, commanded us to be just and to show kindness and mercy to everyone, even to the least of us. So, sum it all up, I think we have to be merciful and just to those, to everybody who come across our path, even if they don't deserve it, because God has shown us mercy, even though we don't deserve it. Thank you.
0: Bruce gave us a lot to think about. Now, could everyone please rise and turn their hymn books to page 212? God Speaks to Us. Page 212. Who Am I? And immediately after the Festival Youth Choir, we'll have another special music from the Festival Children's Choir, and they'll be singing Naomi and Give Thanks and Praises. So Festival Youth Choir, Who Am I? Such inspiring music from both the choirs. Thank you very much. And next we'll have our main message of the day, which is make the big decisions early. This is delivered by Deacon Jan Kowalczyk.
4: Good morning, brothers and sisters. After experiencing all of this, you know, great performances from young people, you can't come to the conclusion but just say that the future of the church looks great. And I don't know, I don't know many of you where you come from, and I don't know where you're going to go back home to what kind of congregation you have it at home. But I know that our congregation is full of young people. And I think our job as parents and as church leaders, we need to keep them engaged. And we have to keep them engaged, not just by giving them a little responsibility, but sometimes giving them a chance and opportunity to run a church service, as they do today, at least once during Eight days, they have a chance to run the entire worship service. And you know, they did a wonderful job. So just before I go with my message, I just want to find in general just how smart they are. Because I know some of them. I don't know all of them. So I'll ask a few questions. And if you know the answer, raise your hand. If you get it right, I have a small reward for you, okay? First question. We will start from the easiest one, and we'll go progress to the most difficult one, okay? And I will probably need a few helpers on both sides just to see who was the first, okay? All right, first question. You guys paying attention? All right. What is the first book of the New Testament? Jessica. There you go. All right. Pay attention. What is the last book of the Old Testament? I think it was Landon, but I might be wrong. Landon. There you go. Next one. How many people in total?
2: <laughs>
4: Pay attention. How many people in total survived the flood in Genesis? I think London was the first one. No? Daniel? Daniel was the first one? You can exchange your goodies later, okay? All right. Next one. How many days was Jesus fasting in the wilderness? I saw Rachel. Very good. Very good job, Rachel. Next one. How many many times did the Israelites march around Jericho There you go. Can you catch it? Good. What was the name of a disciple whom Jesus loved the most? Speak up, speak up. Jesus died and Rosa again, in how many days? <laughs> now we're getting more difficult, okay? What is the only commandment that comes with a promise? Very good. listen to this one who lived but never had a mother there we go. any there you go and now I have a bunch of goodies left but that's final 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 scriptures okay of to today and you wait for Oops, I'm supposed to have a main prize for, for this one, right there. You're going to get a goodie, there is money here, inside this envelope, okay? <laughs> but, I will read you the quote from the Bible. You have to tell me the book of the name and chapter where it comes from. If you are attentive to the sermon, we touched the scripture many times. Now, fate is the substance of things. <laughs> you, you can Thank take, you. no, you can take three, <laughs> three, and a prize money. So, you see, brethren, they are paying attention. And you know, I came across with brethren a few years back, and they said to me that having youth days like that during a feast of tabernacle, I don't know what is the word, but they it said it's not productive. Because technically, we're just wasting the time, and they're not paying attention to what is actually being said, especially during the sermon. And I said, I strongly disagree. And I said, I can settle the issues today. Okay? Let's have a test. Quick. Between young people and the rest of us. Okay? All of you who were here last year during the feast here in Leamington last year, right? And if I say, if I ask you the question, I want you, all of you, to raise your hands as quickly as you can. Okay? Who spoke during the last year feast of Who spoke on the youth day last year here in Limington? Adults, come on, if you rest your hands. So already, you see how it, it took them a quick second. they didn't know exactly who spoke. Okay? Let me go a little bit farther. Do you remember what the message was all about? There you go. I rest my kids. <laughs> okay, anyone, just just to prove it. Uh, who raised the hand? Daniel, did you raise? Do you remember what was the message all about? Sexual sin, and you have to make sure you follow God's law. Do you agree with what he said? Okay, how many of you remember when Pastor Amago was talking last year than the youth day? So, uh, I guess... Maybe we should, you know, reverse this thing and say that maybe we are wasting time here during the feast trying to give a sermon for you. (laughs) But, you know, I'm so blessed to speak for young people and especially during the feast time because I believe that the future of the church is in their hands. Because, you know, look at us. We are good at arguing. We can't even agree sometimes, you know, what the one verse in the Bible says. And, you know, many times we'll just split over this one verse. But our young people are great communicators. They have great listening skills. And on top of that, they know how to operate and navigate the Internet. (laughs) You know, if I have any problem with my phone, I'm not going to go to any of you. I'll go to them, Right? And, and I know that if they have a willing heart, and if they put their mind on something, they can turn this world upside down through the Internet and social media. I'm sure. I'll show you some examples, okay? Not from our youth here in the church, but there are plenty of them. And just before I was going to the feast, I'll show you two individuals. They were on the May News Network all over the country, here in Canada and also in the States. Can you then have you this young lady? Who knows this young lady? <coughs> She's a Canadian. What do you think? How old is she? you know her she's 15 years old okay and her name is Rachel Barrett. she suffered she suffered for many years with all kind of health issues and especially with allergies and what she discovered that the food that she was eating was not good for her And what she discovered that in many products that she was buying in supermarkets, some of the ingredients that were not even marked were genetically modified organisms in it. So she started a campaign and she said, I have the right to know what I eat. Because on most labels here in Canada and in the United States, the food companies They don't have to be specific, and they don't have to mention on the list of of the ingredients that are genetically modified food. And she said, I "I don't mind all these companies, what they do. I just have the right to know what I eat. So she started speeches from high school to high school, from province to province. She demanded an interview with a bunch of the ministers, and they always refused her because they said they don't have time. They're always busy. So now this young lady is getting so popular. And the election is going to be next year. They finally many ministers find a time to talk to her. I'm not kidding. And I don't know if you know you Canadians. You probably know the, uh, Larry O'Leary. Kevin O'Leary, show. So she was interviewed by him on CBC News Network just recently. And you know, this guy is very strong. And she knew exactly how to answer every question. That's how educated she is. And how passionate she is, what she does in her life. 15-year-old can do more good for all of us than many of the others. And she can inspire not just the younger generations, but also the older ones. Fifteen years old. If she can do such a wonderful things, imagine you guys, if you set your mind on something that is important in your life. I will show you another picture. This young fellow is from the United States. Anyone knows his name? I know, Daniel, you know. No? Even President Obama was talking about him in a news conference. How old is he? He's 15. And his name is Jack Andraka. 15 years old. He's very good at biology. And one of their neighbor or close friend died of pancreatic cancer, who was very close to him. And he was very shocked by it. So he started doing research about pancreatic cancer. And as he was doing research, he discovered that most of the cancers, 85% of patients, before they are diagnosed, it's too late. And they have only 2% chance of survival. So what he did, over the internet, he educated himself about cancer. He studied a bunch of medical journals, day after day after day after day, week after week after week. And he became almost a specialist, self-learned young person. And what he did? He wrote a 30-page document and sent to many prestigious universities and organizations saying that, I think I have a way how to diagnose this cancer way quickly and way cheaper than what you do right now today. And what do you think? how How many organizations responded well to him? 15 years old. You can imagine the professor, oncologist, pathologists, you know, who spent billions of dollars on their research and years and years and years in study. Most of them just didn't bother even to read it. One professor of John Hopkins University responded to him. He gave him a chance for an interview. Grill him, okay, ask all these questions and eventually discover that this guy is very serious. He knows the stuff what he's talking about. So he gave him access to his lab. And he says, I want to make sure that what you're proposing here is actually going to work. And you know what? We might be soon, very close to discover that this young boy can discover pancreatic cancer from the ingredients from Home Depot, which costs no more than 50 bucks, And a way earlier, than all the science is able now to discover pancreatic cancer. I know you laugh. But that is true. And it is 15 years old. 15 years old. You see, great things can happen when you guys you put your mind, when you guys put your heart onto something. And especially along the way, when you guys put your heart on God and try to help the humanity. There will be probably... Able to accomplish great things. And I know you guys are going to go home and you know different ages here. Some of you are in uh, colleges, universities. Some of you are in high schools. But some days you'll have to make a hard decision. You know, one of the decisions many of you will face up about education. What should I do with my education? What should I do? What should I study? Some of you, How many of you like to get married? Most of you. That's a huge decision. You know, you'll have to face. But let's talk about education, okay? I'm going to give you a fact that not many people talk about. As much education is important. It's crucial. It's important. But let me give you a fact, okay, that comes from Canada and from the United States. So in both countries, almost seventy five percent of students that graduate, they graduate with average debt over thirty thousand dollars. That's an average, okay? Some of them have been hundreds of thousands, but just the average almost seventy five percent, seventy five percent of them with a debt of thirty thousand dollars, okay? Once they graduate, of them, just six months later, they're unable to even pay a few dollars on their debt. Okay? What do you think? What's the average to pay back all these student loans to the government? What is how many average years it takes for average student to repay the student loan debt? Shoot the number. Eight? Well, 25 years? No, it's 14 years. No, I, just want, I want you to think about it. If, let's say, you graduate from school or university or college, and you graduate, let's say, with $30,000, and after graduation you're going to make $35,000, it's not going to be easy to repay your debt. And you have to to be very careful what kind of decisions you make and how you approach education. You know, we live in a society that, you know, sometimes these people can make a good living and educate themselves in a very specific area of the field. And the whole education system, I think, is just going upside down now. And thanks to the Internet. So you have to be smart, and before you, you pick and choose what to study, how many of you, those who were going to a high school, who were going to college universities, what do you think, how many hours you spend of researching and looking and comparing and what do you think? How many hours you spend? Anyone? Who is in a, Rebecca? Any idea? That is just an average. What do you think? Like, how many many hours you committed yourself to research about the facility, research about the school? Ten hours. hours. What about you, Ryan? (laughs) There you go. And you see, as much as education is important, and you see, it will take so much time away from your life. What is God in all of this picture here too? Don't forget God. You know, you can educate yourself and be very successful in your life. How many of you know Steve Jobs? Know his name? Absolutely. Who was he, Landon? He was the founder of yeah. And what happened to him? He died in pancreatic cancer. He knows a very rich, very influential person in this society. Sickness came, and you have to say goodbye. But what if you walk with God? You may, get, you may still get sick, but at least you know where you're going. You'll be the first fruit in God's kingdom. Uh, do you have your Bible? Can you go to Ecclesiastes chapter 7? Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 12. And I'll read this verse to you from a New Living Translation, okay? Read your verse first. I don't know what translations you have, but just read it first. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 12. Just read it. And I'll read it to you from the New Living Translations, okay? Wisdom and money can get you almost anything. But only wisdom can save your life. Want me to read it again? Wisdom and money can get you almost anything. But only wisdom can save your life. In other words, you can educate yourself. You can go all the way to the top. You can have everything there. But it's wisdom that's going to give you godly wisdom that's going to give you eternal life. Only godly wisdom will give you eternal life and nothing else. Let's talk a bit about marriage. So, statistically speaking, doesn't matter what it is, Canada, United States. What do you think? How many marriages end them in divorce? What's the percentage rate? Sixty. Sixty, wow. 50. Fifty. Something like that. Fifty. So you can imagine every second one of you, statistically speaking. You know, divorced, 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 divorce. That's what it is. Just the plain statistics. Every second, one of you will end up in divorce. I have to ask you. I don't want to ask the adults. Just, the, just you. Just think for a moment. What do you think is number one reason for divorce right now? Just think about it. Think. Landon. That. You're close. Very good. Very good. Finances. Why would be finances, number one, reason for a divorce? Daniel. Everyone's after money. Good. A little bit more. Everyone is after money. I like that. Landon. Absolutely. So he's saying selfishness, right? Great. So, you see, you guys are going to start this dating process and, you know, we're hoping to get married. And eventually you realize that you have to deal with everyday life. And that involves finances. And dealing with finances requires communication with the other partner. You have to be on the same page. You can't live together and, let's say, I'm going to go and spend all my money on something that I want. And I'm going to go and spend all the money on something that I want. You have to make the decision. What is important? You have to sit down. You have to make a budget. You have to talk about it. And people can handle it. So let me give you a little advice. When you decided to get married and you have your date for, a, let's say, for, a, for, a, for the, that's the date that you're going to get married, right before the month before your marriage, try to combine your finances together and see how well you're doing. If you make it through four weeks, you'll so have a happy marriage. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. That's the number one statistics now, that people just get divorced because they just can't handle each other when it comes to finances. Everyone wants to be out selfish. I make you know more than you do. So I'm going to make the decision how to spend my money. Or, you know, you're not doing anything. You're sitting home. So don't tell me what to do with my money. And all the conflicts just arise. What do you think is number one, number second reasons for marriage to break up? Number two, reason. Adults, we need some help. Disrespect, respect, No. No. No, Infidelity. religious differences. Thank you, brother Larry. Number second reason for divorce is religious differences. What do you think? What we would encourage you guys here at Church of God, whom you're supposed to get married with, somebody in a church. And what do you think? Why? Absolutely. Now, just, 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 and brethren, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. Just looking for honesty, okay? How many of you, how many of you adults experience difficulty just because of their religion? Raise your hand. Yeah, just look, just, just look across, see? Imagine one day that you may have a beautiful boy or a beautiful girl. You're going to get married and you have a children. And suddenly, the other half will decide that, you know, hey, I want to educate my son or my daughter in my tradition. And whatever the tradition was, I want to send my child let's say to the school, to a Catholic church. And you says, oh, I can't do that. Because my religion I would like to send my child to something else that is a conflict right away. And when your partner is not in a church, trust me, you will never, ever be committed to any organization 100%. Because, you, you know, you'll try to come to church. You'll try, you'll try to come to Sabbath service. You'll be always watching the clock and trying to get home as soon as you can because, you know what, somebody will be waiting for you. And if you get a little bit late, you'll hear about it. Why it took so long at your church? I remember when, when I was going to church, that's what I heard from my wife. You know, coming from a you know, Catholic background, you go to a church, it takes 45 minutes, maybe an hour, and you, that's it, you're home. He said, you were at church for five hours? <laughs> What can you possibly do at church for five hours? <laughs> oh, just talk and have a coffee. And so you can't have a coffee with me? You see what I mean? Tensions and conflicts. And I'm not going to argue with marriage, but just one more. What, what do you think What's the third reason that marriages break up? That's actually four. I can't hear. Now, in-laws. <laughs> Before you marry a person, you marry the whole circus. You know, you need to keep that in mind, okay? You not just get married to this one person, okay? You marry the whole family. You know, I have a beautiful wife, but I have a sister-in-law too. (laughs) And you know, and she can't leave me alone. I was sick in my room, and she tried to stop with the stuff. I don't even—I can't even pronounce it. It's good for you. It's good for you. No, I'm kidding. She loves me and. But that's what I'm saying, right? You know, when you're going to marry somebody, you're going to be married to the family. They'll have a birthday, you know. They'll have all kind of holidays that you will have to be part of, whether you like it or not. So you have to be paying attention. And you have to have this vision. And you have to have under this vision these goals that you're going to set. Number one, being in church, number two and three and four and five, and once you start gating, somebody come across and says, like, whoops, just outside my vision. Doesn't mean meet my requirements. It's so easy. It's not difficult. It's not that you just look at somebody says like,
2: Oh
4: (laughs) I just fall in love. And then a few months later, it's just part of the statistics. Whoops. You know, this boy as much, what a nice. He is so cute. He can even wash dishes at home. You know what I'm saying? You've got to look at the whole picture. Don't be driven by emotion. It's going to be stirring your heart, okay? Listen to your friends. Listen to your mom and dad. And listen to your church family. If, if you're if you in doubt, ask questions. They're never going to hurt you. And if you have, a Bible, oh, you have a Bible, go to Genesis chapter 2. And in verse 24. I'll give you a mathematical formula. It's going to help you a lot. 24. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. (coughs) Uh, All right. And they should become one flesh, right? So basically, what we read in the Bible is something like this. One plus one equals one. Doesn't make sense, right? actually does. One plus one is one. When you eventually decide to get married, once you get married, marriage is never about you. You become one. You make decisions together about everything. So finances is not in your way. When you married, you become one Because that's what you believe. That's the same God. That's the same vision that you try to follow when you're going to move on into the future. So there is no problem with religion. And on and on. There's no problem with in-laws. You have a happy, free life that you can fully commit and dedicate it to whatever you want to do in your life. And whatever you want to do with God. And God will bless you enormously if you're just going to stick to his vision. Stick to his vision and apply his goal in your life. So, I just give you a few examples, right? And they will say, these examples that we just talked were huge. Marriage, education, career. What about the little ones? Let me tell you a story. Very rich, very powerful, executive. Huge, successful company. He was thinking about retirement. But at the same time, he was thinking about replacing himself with somebody else. The easiest way would be just to appoint one of his sons or his family or his relative, Or just appoint somebody. But he was thinking about something else. So he called all his managers from his company. One room, senior and junior, all the managers into one room. And he explained to them, he said, I will retire soon. i led this company for so many years, and it's my time to just go and retire. But I need somebody who can replace me, whom I can trust. So he said, to each one of you today, I'll give a little seat. Each one of you will take home a little seed. I want you to take it home, and I want you to plant it, and I want you to take care of it, and I want you to grow it, and I want you to bring it back a year from today. I will convene again, and, be- and based on what you bring, I will decide who will be the next CEO of the company. Everybody got that seat. And there was Jim. His name was Jim. He got a seat, too. He went home. He was so excited. He never dreamed that he could have a chance to become a CEO, at least statistically speaking. So he got the seat. He told his wife. He shared with his wife all the story. wife says, great, I'll help you. They went to the store, bought a great pot, soil, fertilizer, everything they needed. They planted the seed. So every day Jim would run home as quickly as he could, water the plant, trying to take care of it and see what's going to grow. Week passed by. Second week passed by. Nothing's growing. Then it's a the third week. It's a month. Some of his colleagues start talking about what the wonderful plants start growing in their pots. Poor Jim runs home again. It's nothing there. Six months later, some of the guys bring pictures to work. So look, I have a flower, and I have a S, yes, beautiful, colorful. And poor Jim, it says, "I don't have anything." He said, "I don't know. I did something wrong. I screw up the process sometimes. It's not growing. Forget it." My chance to become CEO, just passing away. But he was still coming home, still looking at the seat, still watering. Pierre passed by quickly. So the CEO came on the scene again and said, Guys, we're going to have a meeting. Please bring your plants, every single one to this room, and we'll make a decision. Jim is at home with his wife and said, I can't embarrass myself. I can't bring this empty pot. Everybody will be laughing at me. People take pictures of my nothingness. But wife says, hey, just tell them the truth. You work hard. I know you work hard. God knows that you work hard. Just go and bring whatever you have. Jim did. So he walks into the room. You can imagine, he tried to hide his spot so nobody could see, but everybody can see. Everybody's pointing to him. Some people are laughing. Some people feel sorry for this guy. And he walks into this room, and it's beautiful, gorgeous plants all over the place. Half an hour later, the chief executive walks in. He looks across the room, and he spotted Jim right away. He's hiding right at the corner. And in a moment, he says to his director, he says, I want you to bring this young man. Bring him here to the front. So they're bringing him up, and poor Jim is thinking he's just, oh, man, look what I did. I'm going to be fired. I can't even take care of a stupid seat. And he, and he noticed me right away. We haven't even started the meeting, and he noticed me. So they brought him to the front. So the CEO asked him what happened. And Jim said, I'm not going to lie tell you the truth. I got the seed. I, I bought everything I could, the best what I could possibly get. I planted it. I watered it. I watered it for six months. I tried to take care of it. There's nothing growing.
5: Okay.
4: So, CEO gadget said, may I have anybody's attention? Behold, here, there is your next CEO. And people just stunned like, you know, What just happened? Poor Jim is thinking like, oh, man, what just happened? Wow, I thought I'm going to be fired or walk out of the building. So CEO gets up and says, here we go. I gave you a seed. And every single seed was boiled. So it was dead. It could not produce anything. And he brought me all these beautiful plants and flowers and everything. So I know what you did. As soon as you find out that your seed was dead, you substituted for some, some, something else. He says, only poor Jim just brought what he got. So you may see big decisions, or you may see little decisions, but poor Jim, just think about what we said. He was ready to give up, but he was married to a godly wife. And she encouraged him. He says, just go to work, get your pot, and tell the truth. You see what I mean? Honesty, truthfulness will get you longer than substitute something for a truth. The truth will get you to the kingdom. Honesty will get you to the kingdom. But you have to make these decisions right now. You have to make this decision early in your life, as Pastor David said in his Bible study. If you make this decision right now that you're going to serve this wonderful God that we hear, everything else doesn't matter what it is. It'll just be so much easier to follow and make the decisions. It'll be much easier. doesn't matter what it is. You have this goal set up, and no matter what, you know, I'm busy at school. Yes, I'm busy. I have so much homework. But I'm going to the feast. I'm going to lead by example. And if I go to the feast, I'm going to behave. So when other people are going to look at me, they'll treat me seriously, who I am. You can be 30 years old and so responsible and be at church that nobody, nobody never, ever is going to ask you for any help because you are unreliable. And you know, among you here, Brethren, there are some young people that I can trust my life with them. And, you know, I just I know some youth from my congregation. You know, I can go to any one of them and say, I need you for this week to do something for this week. And I can go home and have a good sleep. And I know that I come the next week, they'll be 100% ready for it. Because they have the, they've made the decision that they're going to serve God, they're going to serve church the best they can. Not what's left over. The best they can. And that's the beauty, guys. And, you know, imagine, I wish, I wish that I could have this knowledge at your age. And remember, I share with you many times, I wish, I wish I had this knowledge. But I waste my time on, you know, on the destruction, so to speak, right? My road, you know, going and there are many forks. And I just didn't know where I was going. So I took one turn, came back, took the other one, came back, eventually go to the third one. Oops. After so many mistakes, I learned some lessons. But of all the lessons, it takes away so much precious time. So you guys have a wonderful start in life that many of us would wish to have something like you have. You are intelligent. You are bright. You know how to navigate through this, you know, information system. How to navigate through the social media. Just use all of the skills and all of this technology. Just use it for God's glory. Not just for yourself, but use it for God's glory. And you will see how God will bless you. God will bless you unbelievably. So, let's go to Luke chapter 18. And I don't want to keep you too long. Luke chapter 18. And in verse 28. If you give God hundred percent and if you're gonna give to God everything that comes first not second not what's left over when you're going to dedicate your life there is a promise that comes straight from your Bible who wants to read it Luke 18 chapter Luke, Luke chapter 18 verse 28 and 30 Carlos So we have to ask yourself what's the most precious reward? Just to have fun in this life or just wait for God with God what God's gonna bless you with. And you know me when I have a youth message, I'm always looking for a song that might catch your attention. And this time, I found it. I didn't find it, but I, but I actually listened from my son, and he discovered this song. And I know probably many of you heard the tenors. How many of you heard about the tenors? They used to be called Canadian tenors. Now I think they call the tenors. So they have wonderful, wonderful, wonderful piece of music. The song is entitled "Forever Young," and I want you to listen. And I want you to pay attention to the words of this song. And just right at the the end, I'll just come with a closing remark. So pay attention to the words of this song.
6: May God bless and keep you always. May your wishes all come true. May you always do for others, let others do for you. May you build a ladder to the sky, climb on every wrong, and may you stay
1: forever young. May you grow up to be righteous may you grow up to be true may you always know the truth and see the light surrounding you may you always be courageous stand up right
6: bless and keep you always. May your wishes all come true.
4: see guys, I'm so blessed to be here to experience the feast, even though I was sick. But I'm here, I'm here in Canada and I'm here alive at the age of 40. Something. (laughs) I'm not going to reveal it. But, you see, because my mom had a vision and my mom had a dream, when all the doctors were saying, Get rid of this child because this child will kill you, you will die, and both you die. My mom said, Let God's will be done. And you see, you guys will have to make the same decisions in your life. We'll have to stand up and say, Let God's will be done in my life. At this time, can I ask you, all these young people just to come forward? We can let you go with a prayer for you. So if I can ask all the younger ones too, if they can come up here And ask the leaders if you could offer a prayer for this future of this church. Sorry, guys. Cheers. Come on. See, brother, I want you to look for a second. Look how many empty seats we have. And look how many young people we have in our church here. That's the future of our church. And we have to make sure that We're spending so much money trying to get somebody from the street to walk into our church. It's so much easier and so much cheaper if we just keep them in the church. If I could ask one of the elders to offer a prayer.
7: Our loving Heavenly Father, great God, our Creator, our Sustainer, Father, we are so privileged to be here at this Feast of Tabernacles, learning how to fear you. We're so grateful, Father, for this Youth Day, and we're grateful for the young people. We're grateful for their hearts, Father. We, we know that you have a great plan for them, and we're grateful, Father, for Deacon Jan and the, the wisdom that you've given to him and being able to relate to our youth, and the insight and understanding that you've given to him, Father, that you want us to relate to our youth. And you want us to be able to pass on the knowledge that you've given to us to them and enable them, Father, to uh, avoid the mistakes that we've made in our lives, that you want them, Father, to have an abundant life, to have a joy-filled life, to be very, very fulfilled, but not only in this life, but as the song that we all just heard, you want them to be forever young. That that 10,000 years from now, they are still young people because they have millions and millions of years ahead of them, forever ahead of them. Father, we pray that through the workings of your Holy Spirit and through the example set by uh, those of us in the older generation, That, Father, you would work in the hearts of these young people. That they would be able to discern. That they would look out into the world and just see that there's nothing here. There's nothing here of value. That the real value comes upon Christ's return. And help them, Father, as the message was entitled today, to make the big decisions early. Father, you know their hearts. You know, Father, the subtlety of the devil. You know how much the devil wants them to fail. But you know, Father, just how precious that sacrifice of Jesus Christ was. And we pray, God, that you would help them to know. Help them to taste of, how, of your goodness, Father. Give them wisdom, Father. And with that wisdom, Father, let them lay hold on eternal life. Father, we thank you, and we ask your blessing upon them now. In Jesus' name,
4: amen. Amen. Randy, can I ask you to stand for a moment and give them a big round of applause? Guys, we really love you. We really appreciate you. And all your service that you do to the church is not unnoticed. We thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Go get a Thank you so much. I'm done, right?
0: Please join me on stage. Please all rise and prepare yourself for our last set of hymns. The first one will be found on page 199, Showers of Blessings, page 199. Thank you, Lord, for letting us wake up today on your sixth day of the feast that once again, as we have been for the last six days, we are able to celebrate your holy feast that
4: slowly day by day with the messages
0: we hear like the ones today, whether it be the one from Brother Bruce about justice and mercy and how they're coexistent or how we need to make the big decisions slowly throughout this feast. We are gaining knowledge and hopefully maturing and we are not regressing. Thank you for all the youth behind me and in the audience who participated, whether it be the worship leading or the songs or the messages. Thank you for all of them, and please bless all of them as well, and please bless the fellowship that we will have afterwards. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Thanks, Daniel. And uh, we've got a couple announcements here for today. So, what a fun time was had at Family Day yesterday. Our thanks to the, our thanks to the hard work of Tom and Dana Donna Meleg for organizing the day and the food, as well as to Dylan and Teresa for organizing the games. Thank you very much. <laughs> and today is the seniors' luncheon. And this is going to be today at 1 p.m. in the atrium. And we ask two things. First, that the seniors stay in this room until they get escorted to the atrium when everything's ready. And also, that there's no uh, badminton and ping pong in the background. because We don't want ping pong balls landing in the suit. (laughs) Fun night, that is today is today at 8 p.m. right here, easy to find. So if you're you're doing an act, we will have the list, the ordering of the acts posted on the back wall there. The children's class and youth study both finish tomorrow morning at 9.30 a.m. in the usual place, room 403. Please be on time. The infused shirts are on sale for $15 today at the information table. They have sizes small, medium, and large. Please come and support the infused program. For those of you who signed up for the Caribbean lunch in support of the local boy with cancer, the lunch will take place tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. in the atrium. Please see Michelle Ingram directly for payment after services at the information table. Baptism. We will be holding counseling sessions for those interested during the feast. Please let one of our leadership team here know of your interest and you will be placed in contact with the ministry. And lastly, anointing. Elders are available for anointing right after services. So please rise for our closing scripture. This is taken from 1 Timothy 4 and verse 12 in the spirit of youth day. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but such an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity.